Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Will you please stand with me one more time as we welcome Pastor Carl Stevens to the pulpit here at Glad Tidings. We're honored today. Pastor Carl, we love you. We appreciate you, my friend. I thought that um, I was going to come over here and inspire you. But um, ever since I've been here this morning, I've been inspired. From the moment I pulled into the driveway and saw all those flags, I thought, oh, my goodness. We have never had that many flags outside at, at faith. Just a little sprinkling and... You guys are flooded with them from all the way in. Um, every once in a while, Pastor will call me and tell me what God And uh, my attitude when I get off the phone is, I better do something to stay ahead of this guy um, because he's catching up with us. And, and so the next goal, of course, is that to me and Mark. So one day, Lord Terry, this church will be giving $2 million dollars to missions and uh, touching the world as you already are, but even more so. If you know me, you know I love missions. Um, fell in love with missions in Bible college because I went to Carl Strader's church and he had missionaries come. I had never heard stories like I heard, um, met people like I met there, was moved in the depths of my soul. And then I moved to Orlando. I wasn't married at the time, moved there. And a couple of years later, married my wife, who's sitting over here. And my daughter is also with us today, Danielle, my oldest. Um, we got married. And I don't know how this happened. Uh, the pastor did it, I guess. Two weeks later, after I got married, two weeks later, we got on a plane. I led a group to Puerto Rico to help build a church for two weeks. Who leaves their, their wife after two weeks to go be away for two weeks? But during that time, I fell in love with missions all over again. I fell in love with the Puerto Rican people, um, fell in love with Puerto Rico. We didn't accomplish what we in, had intended to do. But God did something in my heart and in every one of the men and women that were on that trip. Today, really, this is about uh, this faith promise and hearing what God says to you. You can sit down this afternoon. You can say, well, I'm going to wait to fill it out. You can sit down this afternoon, go over your budget, and at the end of your numbers, you can say, boy, we're not going to be able to do anything this year. Or you can get a word from God. And that word you need to say yes to. And it's going to be bigger than what you would normally think. It's a faith promise. Your attitude is this, God if you give it, I will give it. And so your attitude also needs to be, 
God, I'll do whatever it takes. It's, uh, it may involve doing something that uh, you haven't done before. It may involve baking something. I'm talking to ladies, not you men. Uh, it may involve baking something and selling it. Uh, I don't know. God may give you inspired ways to raise the amount that he is going to direct you to put on this faith promise card. Years ago, um, we had a campaign, and the um, one of the husbands looked over his wife, and he said, I believe you should give half of your income. And she's like, well, I think you should give half of yours. And she was in real estate. She had only made 30000 that last year, uh, not only, but uh, made 30000 You know what she did? She finally said, I'm going to do this. God doubled her income. And uh, the very first week, three people came up to her and said, do you sell real estate? And ended up buying a house from her. Uh, you want to be a part sometime in your life of a miracle, don't you? How I many of you want to be a part of a financial miracle at some point in your life? And this is a good opportunity to be a part of a miracle. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this pastor and his wife. God, thank you for this family. I pray your blessing on them. I pray your blessing on this church. God, I thank you for what they are doing, what they've already done. This is incredible. And I ask you, Lord, to challenge our faith today. I ask you that we would even step into a greater realm. God, that single moms in this room that are struggling would see a miracle happen as they say, God, I'm going to support missions this year. God, the widow, the widower. God, for the couple that have children and it seems like uh, there's never enough money. God, I pray that they would say, yes, God. I will do whatever you lead me to do. I will write on this card what I believe you're saying to me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> My wife and I went to our missions banquet several years ago. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe it was all the way back 20 years ago. But um, Dan Besser was the speaker at our church that year. And um, at the end of the message, he said, I want everybody to take a card, fill it out. Now, I thought as pastor at the time, I thought we were giving pretty well. And so I increased it a little bit, that step of faith. And um, then when I finished filling mine out, my wife, she filled one out too. She slid hers over to me. And I'm like, oh, no, dear God, have mercy, woman. What are you thinking? We can't do that. It was far beyond what I had written down. I had to whisper because Dan Besser was really close to me. I didn't want to hear my lack of faith over there. Sometimes women hear more clearly to start with than men do especially when it comes to money, all right? So 
Anyway, she'd give it all away. I have to hold her back. But uh, I finally said, oh, okay, we'll try it. I have never missed that money that we committed to missions. And you might say, well, Pastor, you, you make more money than I. How do you know that? And so in the same time, um, you just need to fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with missions, fall in love with the heartbeat of God because it is missions and souls. We're talking about souls. One of the greatest compliments ever paid uh, my wife and I by our children, one of them, many, they've done many, but one of them was someone came to one of our children and they said, uh, your parents are rich, aren't they? And they said, well, they would be, but they give all their money to missions. <laughs> I thought that was a great answer. It wasn't totally true, but uh, at the same time, that had lodged in their heart that we loved missions. And so do your pastors uh, love missions. And obviously, this church loves missions. You don't understand, church. I know of maybe hundreds of churches. This is very unusual. 22 years ago, they came here. This church gave zero to missions. And 22 years later, they're giving over, a, you're giving over a million dollars. That is being a part of a miracle here at Glad Tidings at GT. And uh, I'll be honest with you. He stretched my faith. When he called me and said he was going to buy an orphanage, I'm like, you are crazy. It costs a lot of money to run an orphanage. I was like, God, help this man. And, uh, and he did it anyway. And then I get to sit here today and see smiling faces on 50 or so kids, smiling faces. And I wonder what that face would look like if it hadn't been for them and you stepping in and making a difference in these children's lives. The thought of a young man that had been there since he's three years old, now in law school. Because of this church, that inspires me. That challenges me. That makes me want to do more for the kingdom of God. In Matthew 28, verse 19, you know the verse, or most of you certainly. It simply says, go. That's an action word. Go. It starts off, go. Say it with me. Go. Go. It says, Jesus said, go. Now, all of us can go into Orlando. Uh, this is, for most of us, our mission field. It's here. But then we can go on a missions trip. Uh, we can go maybe for a week somewhere, or some can go three months. Uh, just go. And most important of all, if you don't go physically or can't, you can help someone else go. And this church supports some 90, almost 90 missionaries scattered around the world. This faith promise that you're filling out today is helping those missionaries and all these projects take place. 
And if you don't give, those missionaries may not have enough money. And so you're sending money to them so they can buy groceries. They can put gas in the car, which is more and more over there, especially here too. But it's helping them live on the mission field. And that's why you're filling it out. And listen, hey, you put it down. The church is not going to call you up and say, hey, you owe this, all right? No, it's between you and God. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, that word go, that action word calls for a response. Today, God is calling for a response. Jesus came, died, gave his life. Why? For souls, for you. And so there are about 7 billion more out there that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go. Why? Because there's an empty tomb. Go. Why? Because Jesus is alive and praying for this world. Go. Because you have authority. Because he has given you authority. Verse 18 in that same chapter says, All authority was given to Christ. And he has given his authority to you and I. Why? To reach the world. To reach people that are lost and dying. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, pastor's going to come at the end of this message, and he's going to take it uh, and, and encourage you to follow up on what we're saying right now. Let me backtrack a little bit because the order of giving for a believer, here it is. When you're born again, you should start tithing. Uh, 10%. It's God's tithe. It doesn't belong to us. Some people are driving God's tithe out in the parking lot or maybe wearing God's tithe. I'm, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about other churches, all right? There are a lot of people spending God's tithe on all kinds of things. And But the first thing we're to do is give God what he says belongs to him. It's the tithe. Today we're talking about missions, which is an offering. And that's where miracles can happen in your life. There's an open window when you tithe. And so let me talk about the order. We get saved, born again, we tithe. We start tithing. At some point we hear, oh, we need to be involved in missions. And we're like, yes, we don't think about it. We don't debate it. We say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Now, told Pastor First Service, don't get jealous. Because uh, years ago, I used to hear stories. These pastors get up and say, yeah, uh, somebody gave $100,000. Somebody gave a million dollars. I'm like, God, what about us? I just needed to wait a little bit. Um, in a campaign years ago, um, there was a man in our church. I didn't know it because he didn't tithe off his business. 
He gave some, but it wasn't that much, not even for me to be aware about his life. And I came up to him one day, and I said, hey, I want you to pray about something. He said, well, go with me to lunch. And then he ends up taking me because he built houses to where he was building out on 27. Subdivisions. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I thought he built a house or two. And then he took me to 200 acres of land, and he said, um, I want you to pray that God give us this land. I'm like, now, I had already heard him say to me that they didn't tithe off their business. They were going to do that when they died. I'm like, when they died? Um, he's going to be dead. I'll probably be dead. Uh, that's a long time from now. But I kept my mouth shut until today or that day. And so I prayed, God, bless this couple. Bless them, Lord, with his land. And she says, you know, we don't tithe off our business. And I said, well, you know, I'm, we're asking God to bless you now. And you're not going to respond for a long, long time. So I didn't say anything more. But a few weeks later, I got a phone call, and this, this man said to me, Pastor, I've made $10 million this year profit. Now, the tithe would be a million dollars, right? I'm like, well, let me calculate that. <laughs> uh, yes, you're right. It's a million dollars. It took me about a nanosecond. And uh, I'm like, well, yes. And I'll try to act real cool about it. Yes, like it happened every day. Um, and um, so I said, well, listen, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to start giving. Anyway, he calls me back and he says, my lawyers don't want me to give it to you. They don't think you could handle it. <laughs> and when he called me back, I said, well, listen, we're going to give a $100,000 tithe off of your tithe and to missions. And I've already started giving it. <laughs> I think we'd given like 40000 already of the 100000 and he said, well, they don't want me to give it to you. A little bit later, I had the admin. I I'm not usually like this. I had the admin. Call him up. I want to have lunch with him. I'm like, I got off that phone. I'm like, devil, you're not going to get this tithe. I'm going after it. And so <laughs> I met him for lunch. I w walked up to the table, and he says, well, um, has anybody ever given you a million-dollar tithe? I said, no, you're going to be the first one. Uh, <laughs> And he, we sat down for lunch, and he said, Pastor, let me tell you what happened. When you said to me that you had already started giving toward $100,000 off of that money to missions, he said the Spirit of God came all over me. And he said, I knew at that moment I had to do this in spite of what the lawyer said. A few weeks later, he walks in and hands me a check for a million dollars. I've never seen one, hadn't seen one since, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but let me tell you this. The million-dollar tie check is no more than the widow's $30 tie check, all right? They're equal in the eyes of God. And so uh, proportionately, of course... 
And uh, that man and his family have gone on to be uh, a blessing in kingdom. He, he's got a hold of missions and helping build churches around the world. Well, let me, uh, let me tell you about your support of missionaries. Some things maybe you don't know about missionaries. Um, I had been in the ministry probably 15 years, and I didn't know this. I thought I knew almost everything about missions. But one period of time, we had two staff members leave and become missionaries. And what I saw and what I heard, I had no previous concept of. I thought it was easy, but it wasn't. Those two guys had to sell their houses, their homes. They had to sell or give away most of their belongings. They had to pack their few things they could carry in a containers and ship them to where they were going. And when they got there, they had to find a house, furnish a house. Now think about that for a woman. Um, and so I was totally oblivious because I simply didn't think about this. And then also the ramifications of not just them, but their children and grandparents. Now I'm a grandparent of nine kids. Uh, I won't count the dogs but uh, as my grandkids, but nine wonderful grandchildren. And um, Danielle is sitting here and, they pastored a great church in Oviedo for many years. And they, had, they adopted twin daughters, and Alice and I fell in love with them the moment we saw them. And uh, we were seeing them on a regular basis, and Alice even more than me. But the day came when they told us they were going to take a church in Toronto, Canada, we told them, that's fine. You just leave the girls with us. Uh, but they didn't, of course, and they took them. And then they had to come back three or four months later. And when it came time for me to take them to the airport, dear God, have mercy. They didn't want to go. I didn't want them to go. They were mad at their parents. I was mad at their parents. <laughs> We got in the van. I'm driving. Carly's over there saying, I don't like you. And I'm like, I'm right. I know. I don't like them either. I was just, I was crying. Cassie was crying. Uh, Carly was, you know, she was just losing it. Took them to the airport, dropped them off, crying, crying. Got a phone call within 10 minutes or so. They'd gone in the airport. A grandmother saw them that didn't know them, of course, and comforted them by saying, Honey, I, girls, I know what you're going through. I had to leave my family and gave them a hug. And, and Danielle said they were, they'd just calmed down. And God intervened in that situation. I, I needed the grandmother to come to our house, but <laughs> she never did. But... But when I got that phone call, I thought, dear God, there's Grandma Angels. I did not know that. <laughs> but I know it now. But it hurts for grandparents to see their 
kids leave and their grandkids leave for maybe four years at a time. And then Damien and his family came back after four years. Four kids. They arrive at Orlando Airport with suitcases. Only, only suitcases. And they had to go to his mother and father's home, 1,200 square feet. Stayed there for several months because they couldn't afford to rent a place in Orlando. Finally, someone helped them out. Then she had to furnish it. They had to furnish it. They had a year to travel and raise money and furnish the home, which I don't know how, where they got all the furnishings, the beds, the dishes. And then at the end of the year, they had to get rid of all of it and or give it away and take the suitcases and go back to Guatemala. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this is crazy. I thought somebody met them, missionaries at the airport, took them to a, I don't know what I thought. I didn't think. But I, when I saw that, I said, when they come back in four years, we're going to have a rental home for them. It's going to be totally furnished. They're going to walk in. They're going to put their suitcases down, turn the television on, go lay down, whatever. No worries. The dishes are going to be there. And when they arrive back, we had rented them. And the couple that gave the million dollars totally furnished it. Um, when furniture better than in my house, I walked in. I'm like, dear God, I want to swap. And uh, I'm going to. But uh, what a blessing. There's things that I did not know, and that's why I gladly fill these out. I appreciate what they do. We give demissions because of people like Sam Stewart and his wife, whose son died when he was 12 years old on the mission field. And one day the family, the rest of the family is sitting around eating lunch. And they see some street kids out through the window. And one of the children says, why don't we give them what Charlie would have eaten? And so they took the amount of food that Charlie would have eaten, maybe a little more, out to the street kids, which started a ministry called Charlie's Lunch that has fed thousands around the world. And been the result, no doubt, of many, many, many coming to Christ. We give demissions because we love Jesus. We give demissions because he said, go. He said, do something. And if you can't go, you've got a responsibility to give. So I challenge you today to do everything you can to hear the voice of God and say, God, I'm going to write this down. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but God, with your help, I can do all things. Um, there's a movie that I, Alice and I saw some time ago, Hacksaw Ridge. It's pretty vivid, um, violent. It's war, but it illustrates something. It's uh, because really we're in a war. There's an enemy, the devil. We sung about it today, how he's defeated but he's out there, and he wants to take every soul to hell with him that he can take. And this movie, as I started thinking about it, boy, it was a vivid illustration of what I believe missionaries do 
They go into dangerous places. They go into places that are totally different than their culture. They go to places in the world. And we've got missionaries now, and part of the Live Dead movement. They go to where they're going with the attitude, if I die, I die. And so this movie, when I saw it, there's a Christian man, Desmond Doss. He was a conscientious objector. He joined the army even though he wouldn't pick up a rifle. He wouldn't pick up a gun. He was criticized. He was assaulted, brutalized, but he stayed in there. They made fun of him relentlessly. He wouldn't pick up a rifle. What good are you? One day, his whole platoon, I don't know how many it included, they had a rope net. There was Hacksaw Ridge. It was straight up. And on the top was a plateau. And dug in was the enemy. Down in the ground. They didn't know how many. They bombarded that top of that mountain. And then they went up to take care of the rest of the enemy. And uh, they got up there, I don't know with how many men, but all of a sudden, the enemy started coming at them by the, looked like by the thousands and coming out of the holes in the ground, killing, maiming, wounding our soldiers. Now, forget the aspect of war here for a moment. Look at it in a spiritual sense. And they ordered everybody off the mountain. The only problem was there were wounded people still up there that couldn't get off the mountain on our, our soldiers. And this man, right when he was ready to go over the side, like he had been commanded to do, he stopped. He was a Christian. He was like something came on him, just like he's going to come on you to do something to reach souls. Something came on him. All of a sudden, he became so conscious of all of those. that, And he's like, God, what do you want me to do? Let's go to the first clip. Sometimes when we can't hear the, clearly the voice of God, God uses somebody else, a preacher or a friend, somebody else to speak into our life. But he heard the word, medic, medic. There was one of our soldiers. And this soldier was going to die because the next day the enemy would come back at them and kill every one of them. And so I look at it like missionaries going after the souls that the enemy is going to take 
and take to hell with them. And uh, this man went back to save as many as he could save. And uh, we're going to go to the next clip that he said something that is so stirring. Um, so let's watch. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. they pull out. Not all of them. Some nuts up there dragging wounded from the top. Even lowered a couple of japs. Some nuts up there. The average person would look at a missionary and say, how nutty is that? You leave your family and go overseas. But one more, Lord, one more. Desmond pulled off of that mountain that night, 75 or so men. Can you imagine Every time, with all the strength he had, with everything, the sacrifice of his life, he went back one more, one more, Lord, one more, until the light broke in the morning and the last one was taken over. And then finally, he escaped and was given the Medal of Honor, the only one that never picked up a rifle, given the Medal of Honor. You say, well, that's all fine and good, but I don't really have anything. Let me quickly tell you the story of years ago of an African woman. She had started attending this little Brush Harbor church, and she was a leper, or had been. I'm not what sure what stage she was in at that point, but her feet was all gnarled, and her hands also, which is usually the first parts of the body affected. And she sat there and listened as she was challenged, like all the rest of the few people there, to do something. We're going to have a missions day. We're going to give an offering. And she's like, you know, thinking no doubt, what do I have? What do I have? Nobody would have made fun of her for not giving. No, most people would have said, well, we understand. You, you don't have anything to give. But she wouldn't let it go. And then she thought of the little peanut field close to where she lived. They had already harvested the peanuts. But she knew something. When they harvest them, they still leave peanuts in the ground, some that break away. And so she goes to that field. And with those gnarly feet, she began to dig for peanuts. 
and to find peanuts under the ground. And over and over and over, I don't know how long, she pushed her feet into the soil looking for something of value. And finally, she had a few peanuts wrapped in a cloth, and the Sunday comes, and she comes to the front and deposits her peanuts. Now, let me tell you, it probably didn't change the world, that few peanuts. But that story was told and has been told all over this world probably to challenge people to find something they can do for one more. God bless you.